God is on the move here, and we get to be a part of it. How exciting. Now, meanwhile, we need this. We need this in our life. We need God. We need each other. We need the local church. The church is the bride of Christ because times are tough. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but there are seasons, certain seasons of the the year where times just feel extra tough. Now, if you have not felt the economic pinch right now or the struggles of where our economy is and all the concerns and the fears that our social media experts and our our news media experts would like to conjure up in our hearts, well, then you can be afraid because the election is just around the corner. So there's another reason to be scared and afraid about the things that are going on in this world. But God comes to tell you today, he says, I've got a plan. I got all things in my hands. He says, I've even got your finances in my hands if you'll just give me your finances. So friends, this is a sermon series about when times are tough. And when you see the graphic up on the screen, I think a lot of people can relate to that. We can relate to feeling like our fiscal lives is an uphill battle trying to push that boulder up there and keep that boulder at bay. And sometimes our fiscal lives feel like a boulder that can all of a sudden roll back on us and crush us at any time. Am I talking to some of the right people here today? We're filled with fear, anxiety, this consumption mentality in this world that we live in today. And it's really taking us to a difficult place. And what God is saying to us, he's saying, listen, I've been praying He says, I've been giving you for more than 2,000 years solid teaching on biblical finance that will help you in difficult times. It will give you peace, it will give you freedom, it will give you blessings, and it will give you a whole new life. And that's what this sermon series is about. I talk to pastors all the time and say, well, we don't ever talk about money in my church because, because people just don't like it when we talk about money. I think it's the opposite. I love to talk about money because there's nothing that will change your life more quickly is if you will adapt to God's word in your life fiscally. There's nothing that will change your life more quickly, bring you more peace than when you are financially healthy and well with our God. Because at the end of the day, the world tells you all you need is a little bit more and you'll feel just fine. That doesn't work, friends. That doesn't work because it's never enough. And as soon as you get to enough, you need more. God has a different thing to teach us. So I want to encourage you to lean in. We've got two more sermons in this series. Uh, next week, we'll wrap this up, when times are tough. You see, friends, not only are economic times tough, but when you add in a consumer culture, it is a destination uh, uh, for uh, a destruction and, and, and brokenness. Because our, our consumer culture, in the midst of difficult times, cries to us to still buy me, still acquire me, still upgrade me. To like iPhone 14 now, iPhone 28, I can't keep track. It, it just continues to grow. And if you start to look at your closets, you start to look at your garages, your house, and you start to notice all of the things we've spent money on over time that are no longer necessary, needed, they're, they're broken, we're not even, we don't even like them anymore, they're too expensive to maintain. I mean, just in my closet alone, I have T-shirts in there that were bought in the name of a sale. Can we say thank you, Jesus, for sales? <laughs> Now, thank you, Jesus, for sales, but Lord God, help me with sales. It's just it's the same prayer. Because I'll go and buy a T-shirt, like the Nike outlet. If there's a T-shirt for $10, it doesn't matter what color it is. As if it's an extra L, I'm not even trying it on. That T-shirt's coming home with me. Why? Because it's $10. You can't pass up on a $10 T-shirt. But I'll tell you this, I wear that T-shirt one time, and then it never gets worn again. You want to know why? Because it no longer fits, or now I decided I don't like the color, but I had to have it to save $10, only I ain't got that $10 no more. I got a broke-down T-shirt that ain't worth anything. Am I talking to some of the right people here today? I ordered a pair of shoes online, and it was like, it was like $50 to $60 online. They look great online. Oh, they look, they look really cool online. I got them. I put them on my feet. 
uh, you know, once you wear the shoes, you bought them, right? I'm wearing them, and I feel pretty good in these shoes. And then about a half an hour later, they were hurting my feet. I was like, I don't like these shoes at all. Guess what? I still had that pair of shoes six years later. What am I doing with them? They are my lawn mowing shoes now. I mow the lawn. I do the gardening. I go out for walks. The $50 to $60 pair of shoes that are sitting in my, my closet completely useless. How about my favorite sports teams and franchises? Well, I buy their jerseys. I got Lions jerseys. I got Browns jerseys. I got, I got Cleveland Cavaliers jerseys. You want to you know, you know what happens with that? Every single one of them has a name of a player on there that doesn't play for that franchise anymore. I, I, I bought a Baker Mayfield jersey last year, God forgive me, in, in, in the Cleveland Browns, and I had that jersey, and two months later, he's not on the team anymore. There's 50 bucks. Friends, think about your life and the stuff that you have Think about how much money we've squandered over the years on things that are now broken, things that are now obsolete, expensive to maintain, or no longer that we have interest in, and we live in tough times, and we've been, and we keep squandering money that God could use for a practical purpose and means of paying the bills. And we think about how much we've squandered. Isaiah 55, verse 2, the Bible says, why spend money on what is not bread? This is a great question. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Friends, what is bread to us? Bread is life. It's food. Even Jesus says he's the bread of life. It not only fills our belly, but it fills our soul. Why spend our money on anything else other than what is necessitated? You see, God has a better way for us on how to use our money. You see, the Bible says that the money itself is not evil. It's the love of money that is evil. And we've been leaning back into one of the founding church fathers of Methodism in the Methodist movement more than 100 years ago, John Wesley, who taught three simple rules of Christian living. He says, do no harm, do all the good you can, stay in love with God. But he also had three principles that were specifically around finances. And he says, he says, I want you to earn all you can so you can save all you can so, so that you can give all you can. And we've been working through that outline in this sermon series. And today we want to talk about how we can spend the blessings that God has given us in the midst of these financially struggling times. You see, John Wesley hoped that if you only spent money on essential needs, you would have money left over to be generous towards God and God's people. And this view of money and spending wisely and giving generously shaped, was shaped over time by memorizing the pain. John Wesley had an instance in his life where he memorized the pain, and it caused him to live differently fiscally. Now, let me share with you an example in my own life of memorizing the pain. It was 1999. I had my first full-time ministry job in Louisville, Kentucky. Friends, if you say Louisville, Kentucky, you're not from Louisville, Kentucky. I can tell you that. It is not Louisville, Kentucky. It's not Louisville, Kentucky. I was corrected within one day of living in Louisville. Louisville. There's no S, Louisville, and, 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 and there's no W in Nurk, okay? I, I learned that when I got here, too. It's just Nurk, right? And we gotta, we gotta get this straight. So we were living in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I had a full-time job. Aaron was working for the MDA, Muscular Dystrophy Association. No children in our life just, just then. And we, we thought we were high rollers. We had two full-time jobs, no kids to worry about. And so we are like, you know, hey, hey, uh, we got to trade in the car. It's, we, we, let's go to the new car lot. You know, we, you know we're young. We've been married for three years at that point in time. Got married in 96. And we started looking at the Honda lot. And I'm like, man, look at these cars. It's beautiful. It's just the new car smell. And got into a Honda Accord. And then he got to the finance guy. And 
See, they never want to ask you how much you want to spend on the car. They ask you how much you can afford per month. That is the wrong question, friends. I'm here to tell you, you got to memorize the pain. And they started showing me the monthly cost of this thing. I was like, well, I can't, we can't afford to buy this. I mean, we were out to like 335 months or something to, to buy that car, right? 25 years we'd be indebted for the next 25 years, and it was still too expensive per month. So guess what they offered? I said, well, you can lease this vehicle. I'm like, well, tell me about that. Because like, the payment was like $100 less a month. And yeah, you can lease this vehicle, and after the end of three years, we'll just trade it in for you. It's no big deal. I was like, oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Brand new car. The payment's low per month. And, uh, and, then, and then we started driving the car, and then I realized, well, you have a monthly, you have, you have your yearly limit on the miles on the car. I think we had like 12,000 miles. I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, if I go over 12,000 miles in, in this year, I got to pay extra on each mile. So now I started getting anxiety every time I was in the car driving from place to place. And then all of a sudden, the Lord told us it was time to have a family. You can't be fitting a family in a Honda Accord and the vehicle that Aaron had, we needed to hold on to because that one was paid for and we couldn't add another vehicle to the family that we needed to get a payment for. So we decided, well, we'll just trade in the Honda Accord towards a van. The only problem was is that we were within our three-year lease on the Honda Accord and the guy said, well, not only do you have to pay for this van per month, but now you got to pay off the rest of the Honda Accord. Somebody wants to tell me when you lease a vehicle, you've slaughtered the cow, you got to eat the whole thing. you got that, that's, that was, that was the, the illustration that was given to me. Friends, it was a painful moment for us because we needed to move into this van. We had, we had mortgaged our future for those three years, at least for us in that moment, and we will just never step into that kind of agreement again. Now, I'm not here to say that people who lease cars are bad people. It doesn't work for the Alice family. It didn't work for us then. It's not going to work under, we have relatives, they lease a vehicle every three years. God bless them, it works for them financially. It didn't work for us. It was a painful lesson. We lost thousands of dollars in that deal. Friends, I'm here to tell you, God will give you lessons all the time. They may be costly, but the good news is, if we're paying attention, we don't need to repeat them. That's what God said to me, my dad said to me, he says, he says don't, don't be worried about that mistake you just made, it's okay. God is giving you a lesson. It was an expensive one, but learn from it and move on. You gotta memorize the pain. You see, John Wesley grew up in poverty. It was a painful picture that he remembered constantly every day of his young life that motivated him to pursue higher education and even became a professor and teacher at Oxford University more than 100 years ago. And, and he was doing very well financially, but he began to squander his money on things like card games and tobacco and brandy. And these spending habits, this, the history books tell us, these spending habits set the stage for an encounter that changed him forever. You see, one day he, was run, he ran into a woman who, who um, very clearly to him, lacked warm winter clothing. She was wearing some very, thinly, uh, uh, some very thin uh, layers of clothing in a very cold environment. She was shivering, and clearly she needed some kind of overcoat or a coat. So in that moment, on that cold wintry day, he reached into his pocket, convicted by the Lord that he needed to provide her for a coat. He reached into his pocket for money for that coat, and he realized he did not have enough. And the conviction of the Lord fell on him on how he had spent his money frivolously and that he was unable to help this woman. And friends, it became a a deep-seated moment in his heart. He hurt so much and he never wanted to experience that feeling again of letting God's call in his life down or letting somebody else down, one of God's people. And how he had been a poor steward. He held on to that, he held on to that pain, that memory. He remembered that pain and it spurred him to handle money a different way for the rest of his life that would change his life and influence early Methodism to the church that we now know today. 
You see, he determined a bare minimum wage that he needed to live on for the year. And out of his income of 30 pounds that first year, when his life was turned around because of that moment, that first year, he decided he could live on 28 pounds. He made 30 pounds. He decided he could live on 28 pounds, and he gave the other two away. The second year, he committed to keep his expenses at 28 pounds when his income rose to 60 pounds. Guess what he did? He gave the other 32 away, right? 28 plus 32, 60. He kept on living on 28 pounds, and as his income increased, he would just give the rest away. And so he continued to do that over the course of his life. And at, the, at some point in time, he was now living on 2% of his income. He kept living on 28 pounds a year. And as his income continued to increase, he continued to live the same amount each and every year. And he was giving away 98% of his income. Now, friends, that is absolutely counterintuitive to our culture today, isn't it? It's absolutely counterintuitive. And, and if we, all we have belongs to God, then how we spend money should glorify God And therefore, it isn't just about tithing the first 10% that comes in according to God's word. It's also about how we wisely steward the spending of the other 90%. How how we spend it matters. And you see, fear and financial worry and and, and consumerism can can overtake the best intentions in our life. And the Bible in chapter uh, 6 of Matthew, starting in verse 25, and I want to read a little bit beyond what we have up there, but Michelle, go ahead and put that up there. And if you have your Bibles with you, you want to open those up. If you want to turn your Bibles on, however, however you do it. We're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. We're going to go all the way to 34. It says, Therefore, uh, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, and what, will you, what you will wear. It is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the patterns, for for the uh, pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, friends, for most of us, for many of us, we feel the very real worry of having enough food to eat. Some of us do. Feel the very, very real worry about having enough clothing to wear or shelter to live in. Now, for the rest of us, we still struggle with the pressures of culture and society to have the right clothing, to be able to drive the right car, to have the most updated phone in our hands in order to be able to keep up with the Joneses, whoever they are. And we're making financial choices to try to keep up with, our, with how our culture is saying that we should be living. And meanwhile, debt piles up, and the stuff that we're buying isn't making us feel any happier or more secure or any more fulfilled, and it's a huge struggle. 
So according to, with John Wesley's help and God's help in our life, we want to talk about some keys to spending wisely. We're going to earn all we can, save all we can, so we can give all we can. And in the midst of that, how do we spend wisely in a way that honors God? So here's a couple of ways to think about that and to help us for the rest of this message. Number one, we need to resist comparing what you have to other people. Resist comparing what you have to other people. Friends, I am here to tell you, in places where it gets me, it's like, when I, when I go to the campground and I'm in a tent and I walk by that somebody's got a tent on wheels, I'm like, man, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm messing up here, right? Now, I got to the campground and I'm enjoying my family, but I'm in this tent and they're on a tent on wheels. You know what a tent on wheels is, right? It's a pop-up. Pop-up camper, tent on wheels. Now, when you upgrade to that tent on wheels, you know what happens? You're pulling into the campground and you're, you're going camping. Hey, you're camping. You're doing a fire just like everybody else. But all of a sudden, you see that hard-sided bumper pull trailer. You're like, man, I got I to upgrade to a bumper pull trailer. You know, you finally get to the campground, and you're in your bumper pull trailer, and all of a sudden you see some guy in a diesel truck pulling up a fifth wheel. You're like, man, I got to get into a fifth wheel. Now you're in that fifth wheel, and all of a sudden you see somebody in a class C, class B, class A motorhome going camping, and all of a sudden you're like, I got to get a class A motorhome. Did you know there are classes in our society to camping? Class A, class B, class C. It isn't just the camper you're in. It's the lifestyle, baby. And all of a sudden, you get caught up in comparison with what you have no longer cuts the mustard, even though you've gotten to the campsite, even though your head's dry, and even though you can have a bonfire just like everybody else. You know, just when you think you like what you have, all of a sudden, you compare to what other people have, and you no longer like what you have. You see, just when you feel good with what you have, you turn around and see that they've got the newer model. And it's just so tempting to compare. And you say, well, I don't have as much as they do. I don't have what they do. It shows up the most on a mission trip, friends. You go on a mission trip to a third world or, or fourth world country, which I've been to Guatemala, Belize. I've been to Haiti. Uh, I've been to uh, Vietnam a couple times. I've been to Tijuana, Mexico, many other places. You see the joy of these Christian folk who have very little materially in their life. And therefore, it's pressed on you. You realize how much you squandered all that you have as an American and, and then what happens is, is before you come back to culture and society, there's always the last day of the mission trip, whether you're in Haiti or Belize or, or Guatemala or, or, or you're in um, uh, um, uh, Vietnam or Mexico, uh, Tijuana, Mexico, all the places I've been and more. And you know what happens on the last day of an American mission trip to those places? You go shopping. Because you got to buy the latest goods and wear that whatever those people are focused or folks are producing, you got to go get it. You got to find the best deal. And all of a sudden, you're going to spend a bunch of money on, on things that you don't necessarily even need. And then what happens is, is you come back stateside after that and you quickly return back to the normal life as you once again see what the people that live in the United States of America have. And you're back to the comparison living. And you're no longer content as we conform to the world around us. It is the trap of comparison. It is the trap of comparison. We've got to resist comparing what we have to other people. Keys to spending wisely. Secondly, if you're taking notes, we've got to rejoice in what we do have. We've got to rejoice in what we do have. Celebrate our blessings. Being content is not natural. Being content has to be taught. It has to be force-fed to us as human beings because normally we're not content with what we have. It has to be learned. And we pray about it. God, help me learn to be content with what I have. God, forgive me for coveting more from my neighbor. There's something in the Bible about that. Do not cover thy neighbor's possessions. Forgive me for coveting more. Thank you for all you have given me. Forgive me for coveting that fifth wheel, Lord. Let me be happy with my tent on wheels, right? 
See, Paul's perspective was an incredible perspective. He wrote so many letters from prison. This guy was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He was beaten multiple times. His possessions were taken. He was incarcerated twice, persecuted for his faith. And he writes this from a a jail uh, to the church of Philippi. Incarcerated, he says, I am not saying this because I am in need in Philippians chapter 4. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Friends, the question of contentment is, how much is enough? How much is enough? And will attaining and acquiring this or that be enough finally? Or is what we have enough? Friends, the solution to the culture of Americanism and the American dream and finances is to acquire more. More is always enough. Only when you acquire more, it's never enough because the line continues to move because whatever you have in your life never seems to be enough no matter what you have. So we've got to rejoice in what we do have. Rejoice in what we do have. You see, the more content you learn to be with what you do have, the less you'll spend a bunch of money and time on trying to possess and going into debt for the things that you don't have, things that you don't have. Jesus in Matthew 6 is urging us to not worry about tomorrow, but to rejoice in what we have for today, including a God who cares for us intimately and immensely. We have God in our life, and we should be thankful for that. And oftentimes, most of the time, all of that time, that should be enough. You see, if he cares for the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, how much more will he care about you? Oh, friends, we are so blessed to have God in our heart, and so we should be able to rejoice whatever it is we have, however little and however much. Thirdly, keys to spending wisely. Return the first 10% back to God. Friends, this is so good. God just lays it out there. He makes it simple, but yet it's so hard for us to follow. He he, He gives us a simple formula towards not only fiscal health, but peace in our life the biblical practice of tithing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we read this, and I'm going to read it again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given up to you as well. Friends, when we put God first in our life, in every area of our life, his blessings flow out to us. All these things will be provided. All these things will be given. Friends, that includes our fiscal life. Yet for most of us, we claim to be Christians. We come to church. We say that we love Jesus We've been baptized. Every part of our body's been baptized, but yet when we were in the water, we held this up. We went under, but we kept this above the water. Everything else has been handed over to God, but we don't hand this over to God. But we say we love Jesus. We we say that God is our all in all. We say that he is our trust, but yet we don't put our trust into God when it comes to our, our purses or our wallets. You see, tithing teaches you to put God and his kingdom first. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. God does not need our money, but he wants our heart. He wants our heart. And where your treasure is, the Bible says, there your heart will be also. Tithing is God's heart monitor. It it monitors our heart to answer this question. Does our money possess us, or are we free to be able to give up our money and put it into God's hands for his use? Giving is an antidote to greed. Giving is an antidote to consumerism. It breaks the chains of materialism. It forces us to step out in faith and to trust God and to be content. And it is completely counterintuitive to the habits that defy, it's a completely counterintuitive habit that defies the myth that more money will make us more secure, make us happier, 
and it puts our trust and our security in God, not in our bank accounts. I'm here to tell you, friends, you cannot trust your bank account. If you didn't hear last week's sermon, I'm here to tell you, your money will be here one day, it will be gone tomorrow. God will not be. His joy and mercy is waiting for you every single morning. He will not leave you nor forsake you. But yet Christians all around the world, Christians in our very own church, we walk around and we put our trust in money by the way that we live, by the way that we refuse to give, and we don't put our trust in God. Friends, it's not always going to be there. It won't always be there, but God will. You see, tithing can be scary. And when you feel more month than money, when you feel like you're living from paycheck to paycheck, and, 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 and your paycheck is shrinking, and the cost of living is going up, making the leap of faith to seek God first in the biblical tithe can sound crazy. But friends, I actually think it sounds a little bit sane. Isn't it the perfect time when we're living in crisis? Isn't it the perfect time when times are tough to put that area of our life into God's hands? I can't think of a better time. I can't think of a better time that when times are tough, we turn to God. And if times are financially tough, friends, I'm here to tell you, the Bank of America isn't gonna, it's not gonna fix it. But I'm here to tell you, the purse strings of our Lord, his unlimited resource, his love for us will care for us 10 times out of 10. It's in God's word. We read it. Friends, there's no time like now to take our finances and put it into his hands. Well, what does that mean, Pastor John? Take some of your money and put it into his hands. Give it to him. You see, when you give God your fiscal life, when you put it into his hands, everything else in your life is blessed. You're living with blessed money. You're living with blessed resources. And God is going to be able to bless you in other areas of your life because you've taken that and put it into his hands. You've, you've sought the blessings of the Lord. You see, we may not know what tomorrow holds, but our God does. Yes, tithing can be scary, but he has all things in his hands. He has tomorrow in his hands. He is the great provider of all things, and the enemy would have you being crippled with fear. And this is why rejoicing in all of the blessings of God is so important. You see, if we give him our money, he has our fiscal lives in his hands. That's part of the principles of giving. We've invited God into the financial side of our life. And some of us, we, we, you know, some of us, we're not putting anything into God's hands. And, and we're wondering why our finances are such a mess, because we haven't started with God. God has so much to teach us and show us and to bless us with and to show us a whole new way to live. But he says, I can't do something with nothing. I can just put it into my hands and see what happens. See, rejoicing in our blessings leads to a desire to share those blessings. We've really got to focus in on rejoicing in all of our blessings. And if we do so, it will lead to a desire to share those blessings. It will energize us to step out in faith and return 10% back to God. You see, when you plan your spending, we first should plan what it is we're going to be returning to the Lord. Like John Wesley, it will help us to be more frugal with our spending. And Aaron and I just celebrated 26 years of marriage this year, and we've been working on, on giving biblically. We believe that giving is a biblical thing. It, it, it's also blessed our marriage. It's brought financial peace into our household, especially during tough times. When we take our money and put it into his hands, we realize the Alice household is living with not house money. We're living with God's money. We're living with blessed money as we seek him first 
We faithfully put trust in him, and we watch him provide all of the time. Friends, we gotta live with an open hand. That's the last one. Live with an open hand. Spending wisely. Live with an open hand. What if, in addition to giving 10% back to God, we gave him access to the other 90% of our income? What if, what if all of our life was dedicated to his kingdom purposes? What if our home, our tools, our toys, our clothes, our cars, uh, what if they were all available to God to bless others with? What if we were willing to share it all and be rich in the good deeds of the kingdom of God? God is calling us to be financially free. And Aaron and I have done the consumer debt thing. We've racked up credit cards. We've done the free spending thing. We weren't generous towards God. But friends, when you're in debt, it's hard to be generous and give back to God. We, and we were living in all these broken moments. And friends, we memorized the pain. And we said never again. We got sick and tired of being sick and tired when it came to our financial lives. And friends, I know there's a bunch of you out there right now, and you're struggling financially, but you refuse to make a change. You refuse to take God up on his word when it comes to taking what you have and putting some of it back into God's hands and watch him bless the rest. Aaron and I had to learn the hard way, but we memorized the pain. We said, never again, we're not gonna live like this anymore. And we decided to learn how to start paying off our credit cards every single month. We started giving above the tithe to God's church. We were paying cash for cars, and we still do today, praise be to God. We don't freely spend. We invest for our future. We make sacrifices other people don't. You ever look at somebody and say, well, geez, how, can, how in the world can they afford that? And they pay cash for that. And did, did you ever ask them their plan? More than likely, they're Christ followers. They're going to church. They've been given for years. They save, and they make sacrifices that many of us aren't willing to make. See, what about you? Have you decided that you never want to live that way again? Has it gotten painful enough in your life that you say, I don't want to do that anymore? Are you willing to memorize the pain? Friends, we're going to pay for mistakes in our life. My dad always told me, as I already told you, he said, it's going to be costly, but at least you paid for an education. But friends, some of us keep paying over and over and over again, and we never get educated. But God, God has a way in here, if we would not ignore it and we would follow it, that opens, he says it's a, it's a pathway in Malachi, it's, it's a pathway and a doorway of God opening up his blessings into our life. And you're saying, well, you mean if I give, I'm going to be you know, financially blessed? Friends, why do we always limit God? Why do we always just have to make it monetary? I'm not saying that, no. God is saying, I'm gonna open the doorway of blessing. Let's not limit it to money. How about blessing you in relationships? Blessing you in peace? Blessing you in, in knowing that you're, you're living according to God. Blessing you in knowing you're not in debt anymore. Blessing that you're knowing that you're putting God first. I mean, the, the blessings of heaven are endless, friends, but we always try to put a monetary amount around that. God is calling us to be financially free. What about you? Memorize the pain like John Wesley did, like we did. Stop comparing yourself with the Joneses. Friends, they're broke anyways, okay? What you have, be blessed with, right? Cut back your, on your spending. Stop browsing Amazon. Stop, stop browsing eBay. Stop browsing Apple. If you can't, if you can't not spend money when you, when you go to the mall, guess what? Find a different hobby. Don't go to the mall. There, there, there are state parks out there that won't let you buy anything. You're like, look, this, this leaf is so beautiful on the ground. That's fine. Pick it up. Take it home. It's free. You don't have to spend money on any of that stuff. Rejoice and thank God more for his blessings and allow that to refocus a surrender in your life of your possessions, everything you have to God. Those possessions that are possessing you, 
that money that's possessing you, hand it over to him and trust him. And when you put your money into God's hands, there's no better place to put it. There's no better investment when times are tough than to put it into God's hands and watch what he can do with it. You see, God is a multiplier. He just is a multiplier. And friends, that's not a prosperity gospel. God just says the floodgates of heaven are gonna open up. It's straight out of the Bible when we put it into his hands. We don't, we, we're not here to limit God on what he can do, but we know that it's gonna be miraculous. We know that it's gonna be amazing. We know it's gonna be healing. We know it's gonna be freeing. We know it's gonna be gracious. We know it's gonna be merciful. We know it's gonna be loving. We know nothing but good can come from it because God's hand is in it. And when we obey his scriptures, friends, we can hold him accountable to the promises that he's given us in his word. And so number two, thank God each day for three things you have. Yesterday, I was thankful. Yesterday here at the, uh, the truck retreat, there were some people that were thankful for the pixie stick they had in their hand. You know what a pixie stick is? You tear off the top of the piece, and it's like sugar crack. I mean, you just, you just tilt your head back, dump that thing in. I mean, it is ridiculous. It is 100% sugar. You know what I was thankful for? I had a, I had a bowl of, mm, I'm just excited thinking about it. I had, I, I had a bowl of soup beans, ham hock in there. The bones from the ham were in there, simmered for all day long. I had myself a piece of sweet cornbread in Some of you are jealous you didn't come last night. You missed it. piece of cornbread in there. I'm still thankful for that bowl of soup beans today. I'm thankful for the almost 900 folk that came out last night and, and, and were blessed. I'm thankful for God's church. Every day, if you start your day this week, it's your assignment for seven straight days. Every day, you wake up and you thank God for three things in your life. I don't care if it's a pixie stick, the roll of duct tape you have in your toolbox, the fact that your car runs, that you love your spouse, that you're blessed, whatever it is. Thank God each day for three things you have. Your friends at church, whatever it is. Thank God each day. Number three, take the leap of faith to tithe back to God the first 10%. I'm gonna say something here, and I, just, I want you to soak this in. Every single person in this room, I believe this, every single person in this room can give something. How is it possible that we have Christ followers and believers of the Lord who claim faith in Jesus Christ, but in the last year haven't been able to give God a single dollar of their income? Now, I don't, I don't care if you make $10 an hour, you make $1 an hour. We can, we can give something to God don't be, don't, don't be in that, that, that moment where there's a big zero, where you're just not even giving anything. God says even the widow who had nothing put two coins in. Whatever that is, take a leap of faith. Maybe you're not ready to do the biblical tithe. That's fine, but start with something. How could we be giving nothing, friends? Because God looks at you and says, I, I can't do something with nothing. But I, when you start giving something, I can, I can do something with that. And then watch what he does in your life. A, a dollar. Watch what God does when you begin to make the decision to give back to God. Number four, make a list of items you will let God use for his purposes. It's time to go out to the garage, down in the basement, look at your car, your, your clothes, whatever it is you have, and say, Lord, it's all yours. How can you use some of this stuff? You might decide some of it just needs to be given away. Praise be to God. You might have a yard sale. You might just keep the stuff you have and start letting people know what you have and let them borrow it. I don't know. Make a list of items you will let God use for his purposes and watch God's blessings flow in your life because, oh, friends, when times are tough, I don't know about you, but it's time to take that area of our life and put it into his hands and to let him care for it because he's the only one we can trust. We can't trust anything else other than him. Would you pray with me?
Lord God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your message and your word today. Lord God, we pray that it challenges us. Lord God, we pray that you would remind us of your grace and mercy, that Lord God, we're not here to beat each other up over the past, what we did or didn't do in the past, but Lord God, we are here today to say, God, we want you to set us free for a brand new future. And I know, God, there's some of us here today and we are constrained. We are buried in a mountain of debt. Our relationships are falling apart because of finances. Lord God, we don't know where to turn, so we keep turning to MasterCard, Visa, American, American Distress, and a bunch of other places in our life, Lord God. But God, you've got a different plan for us today. Here and now, Lord God, we confess to you that we are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there may not be physical hands going up in the sanctuary, but I know there are hands in our hearts that are going up with that statement right now, God. We are sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're sick and tired of being in debt. We're sick and tired of living in fear and worry about tomorrow. We're sick and tired of being focused on money. And God, if we're honest, the majority, almost all of us in this room, at some point in time, we've loved money more than we've loved you. And Lord God, we confess that. Lord God, come and free us from that. Forgive us of that, Lord God, and allow us to turn to you as our source of trust. Not the Bank of America, Lord God, but the Bank of the Kingdom of God. Lord God, your resources are endless, and we, are, we, we desire them so much. Lord God, would you convict us here and now to take the number one area of concern in our life and to put some of it into your hands to know that when we do that, Lord God, the whole house is blessed as a result. Thank you, Lord. Allow us to live with a blessed fiscal life and to let you decide how you're gonna pour out the blessings into our life, Lord God. God, you're an amazing God. We, we need this in our life, each and every one of us here today, Lord God. Lord God, would you heal marriages today as a result of this? Would you heal financial lives? Would you heal perspectives? Would you heal attitudes? Would you heal the way that we look at our jobs and our careers? Lord God, would you look at the way we spend money and save money and give money, Lord God? Would you, would you heal someone today, Lord God, and set us free? Would you set some of us free today, God? Set us free, God, in your grace and your mercy. We pray this in your name, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, Amen, friends, amen. Hey, well, let's stand up and let's just get set free. Let's just let ourselves go free in this, this last song. Let's just sing with all of our hearts. And friends, the altar is open up here. Uh, friends, the reason why we don't come to the altar is because we're afraid what the Joneses in the congregation are gonna think. We're comparing ourselves to others. We're worried about coming forward and seeking prayer. Friends, the most beautiful thing we can do is to come forward, seek God, get down on our knees, confess our sins and say, God, we need you and, and trust for the falling of the Holy Spirit in our life. So friends, I wanna encourage you to come forward, pray with somebody from our prayer team, seek God's help in whatever area of struggle you have, finances, health, relationships, whatever it may be, and watch God heal the house of God. Could you imagine what God could do with a church that decided that every single one of us was gonna get healthy fiscally? Every single one of us decided we're gonna get healthy relationally? God could do something with a church like that, couldn't he? It'd be amazing. Let's do it together, friends. There's no shame. There's the grace and the glory of God. Let's do it together, friends. Mm -hmm.